Today is an artist and a character developer on the hit television show, The Simpsons. It's Mr. Dale Hendrickson. Hello, friends, and welcome to the Rogue Planet podcast. I am Jason McClellan, and I'm here with my buddy, Caleb Hanks. Hey, Caleb, how's it going? I am wonderful, Jason. How are you? Wonderful. I've never known you to not be wonderful. I'm wonderful as well. I'm just in a perpetual state of a wonderful perpetual state of something that's for sure (laughs) well i'm excited today because we're going to talk to our buddy the amazingly talented dale hendrickson now dale is he's a crazy guy number one number two he is a character developer for a show that many people have probably heard of called the simpsons but he's also done a lot of interesting other shows and, and animation projects in his past so we'll get into that with dale a little later but first caleb i want to talk about some magical goodness that uh, you were a part of this week. And uh, you, you are one of my favorite musicians, I will admit that. And uh, you Flattery just, will get you everywhere. I know, it's, it's done me well so far. But uh, <laughs> yeah, so talk to me a little bit about your, your new project here, because you and I haven't talked about this much, but The Clerk, this is something you've been working on for, for quite some time. So, so walk us through that. Tell us about The Clerk. What is it? All right. Well, um, it is basically, it is a multimedia uh, web, web project that I am trying to kind of tackle and pioneer. Um, it, I used to have a band called the Nova Echo, and it was kind of a, an electro uh, pop rock group. And I was always trying to loosely tie in this mythos of this character called the Clerk, and it was supposed to be this kind of futuristic uh, space epic um, of sorts. But uh, the band since then has kind of defunct. Uh, we're all good buddies. We're just not playing anymore. Uh, but um, I decided I would kind of take the the Clerk character and actually finally do what I'd always wanted to do with it and turn it into a big kind of just crazy interactive web comic, uh, like mild animation here and there, maybe some Easter eggs to where you can click on different things once the once the web comic part of it really gets going and, and just all kinds of crazy stuff. But this week on Monday, Cyber Monday, actually, I uh, released my first free five-song EP, and uh, it was a long time coming because I went to audio school, basically, uh, I did some courses with some on some online courses with some um, DJs out of Vancouver, learning how to make like really crazy complex electro stuff, complextro, if you will. And um, <clears throat> I've learned how to make the music. I wrote it all my all, all myself. I learned how to mix and master everything. So I'm literally doing every single thing about the project. The website for it is theclerkchronicles.com, and all of the animation, all the drawings, everything. I am taking care of it 100%. So basically, it's just a lot of work. 
but everything is free and uh anyone out there feel free to check it out and download it and enjoy it it sounds like a dream for a control freak such as yourself it is i love it yeah. <laughs> well we have the uh the links and uh yeah we have the links for the downloads on rogueplanet.tv and uh we also embedded the uh the player that you you have with all the tracks so people can stream those too before downloading them Oh, cool. So that's all on the website. People can check that out. Yeah, really cool project. And uh, Thanks, I, man. I, I think that's, uh, I mean, yeah, for someone like you who, who just gets an idea in your head and wants to go, 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 and doesn't want to have to, to wait on the millions of things that can force you to wait, uh, mainly other people, that's yeah. a, a really cool way to do it. And, and you have the, the, the capacity and the skills to do it. So I'm glad to see it come to fruition, and uh, I'm looking forward to see what happens next. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I'm going to be recording. I'm, I'm always in a constant state of making new music, and I'm always in a constant state of making new artwork and stuff. So there's going to be updates all the time. And, you know, there, it, it really is the beauty of being able to do everything yourself. And it's taken me a really long time to learn how to do it. But, I mean, I can handle literally every single aspect, the web design, everything. So it's great. I love it. Well, speaking of love, well, I won't go into our, our, our love for each other, Caleb. No, I, I'm, I'm kidding. I've got a joke with you here. But uh, it's kind of interesting doing this podcast with you because you and I are on basically opposite ends of the country. I'm we in are. Arizona, and you are in North Carolina. So uh, kind of interesting in that respect. But uh, we, we just, we're like in the heart of the holiday season right now in here in the States and uh, just got through Thanksgiving. And uh, I don't know about, well, I do know about you. I, I, I'm guessing, but uh, I'm a big fan of beer and drinking and that's what the holidays are all about. And uh, I know you know something about beer in North Carolina because surprising to some, though not everyone, North Carolina is a big, it's big beer country. Oh, yeah. And, uh, I mean, you guys have some of the, I don't think anymore, but at one time you had the most microbreweries in the country. Yeah, I mean, literally, you can spit and hit a microbrewery here, and there, and there's like a new one coming in every other day. That sounds like heaven. So the, the reason I bring up the microbreweries and the beer is because, I don't know about you, Caleb, but I'm a fan of seasonal beers and with the flood oh, yeah. of microbreweries now this huge surge in in, in beer and in beer production uh the seasonals get more and more interesting every year we have more and more breweries uh, therefore more and more offerings with the seasonal beers and uh, right now we're in this odd stage where i don't know if you've noticed it but i've noticed it this year especially and and perhaps last year but it seems that the brewers are getting more in line with uh, like every other commercial operation out there where they try to make seasons happen earlier than they actually do. So, right. you know, Christmas comes earlier every year. It seemed like the winter beers came earlier this year than they have in, in the past. I mean, we barely got into the fall season and the Christmas beers were already out. Yeah. But I like Christmas beers, but I'm very picky with the Christmas beers because, well, I, I call them Christmas beers, the winter, the winter seasonals, because um, a, a lot of them are, are 
just normal IPAs or other beers that I really wouldn't put with having anything special about them to do with the, the, the season of winter. But there are some that have, you know, fantastic wintry spices. And uh, Sam Adams is a great brewer with their seasonals. They, they, I've never been disappointed by one of their beers, but uh, oh, yeah. they I seem to do different ones every year. And this year, they in their, their winter sampler pack, they had two different uh, spiced winter beers. One was a spiced ale and one was a spiced lager. And, oh, man, they were both so good. Dude, uh, what, what is the name? Does one of them have, like, a guy riding a, motor, a motorcycle on the package? That is the old Fezziwigs. I don't remember what it is. It's something like that. Old Fezziwigs. There used to be some of the I don't know. I could have sworn it was Sam Adams that I used to absolutely love, but I haven't found it in a really long time. The big the big beer around here is, I guess, like a holiday beer, the Christmas beer, quote-unquote, like for for the Asheville area is the Cold Mountain Ale. I guess they don't have that in freaking Arizona. No, <laughs> I, I've never heard of that beer. Um, but it's, I mean, it's just, it's huge over here, but I just don't really get into it very much because the last few times I've had them, it's just like a really, really sweet beer. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I just, I like stuff that's just totally just almost salty. You know what I mean? <laughs> you like man beer? I like man beer. I like man alcohol, even though, well, I don't know. I drink vodka a lot and I guess that's kind of like a vodka tonic is the, the, the female kind of go-to drink, I guess. At least out here, that's what they say. And I, people pick on me a lot, but I just love vodka. I can't stop drinking this stuff. Well, you know what? I, I've, I've reached a point in my, my old age that I decided when it comes to drinks and really anything else, I'm going to order what I want to order. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Screw everybody else. You know, I, I've, <laughs> I'm done with the uh, the days of worrying about being ridiculed for for liking what I like. So if I want to if I want to order a drink that's orange pink and has a plastic flamingo on the side, I'm gonna do it. Damn it! That's right. I want my pink drink now with an umbrella. No, <laughs> no I, I won't go that far. But uh, yeah, the the occasional fruity drink is great. I don't know if you watch the the, uh, the show on Spike TV at all, Bar Rescue. Mm-mm, no, I haven't seen it. I love that show. Um, maybe because I like drinking. But yeah. uh, <laughs> but there, there's some interesting recipes and, and, and things that uh, cocktail recipes they show on there. But the uh, the host of the show, the producer, the main guy, John Taffer, um, he's this nightlife expert. He comes in and rescues the bars. Um, he's a badass. And I read an uh, interview with him recently where um, I think it was actually a, a Reddit uh, AMA. Ask me anything he did. Um, and one of the questions somebody asked him was... Uh, what it may have been something as simple as is what is your your drink of choice and he surprisingly came back with the answer well i'm not a big drinker but you know when i do um i like i I think he said whiskey but he said but i'm surprised i'm admitting this but uh you know on an occasion i do like to have uh now I'm not remembering what he said. He either said something like a whiskey, whiskey amaretto, or or he just flat out said the girly drink. You know, occasionally he likes girly drinks, but he won't let anybody. He won't do it in public. I thought you were gonna say that he was the Dos Equis guy. When I don't drink much, but when I do, 
It's Dos Equis. Man. That was probably a terrible accent. Well, you you are a little under the weather, so you are forgiven. That's true. But yeah, we'll we'll have to spend. I have a feeling we're going to be talking a lot about alcohol on this on this podcast because it's something near and dear to both of our hearts. Yeah, uh, whether that's a good thing or bad. <laughs> well, near and dear to our livers and all the fun stuff. Well, I, I think it's stayed away from my liver mostly. It just goes to my head, so. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I think we should uh, move on into the interview because I'm really looking forward to talking with our buddy Dale. And, uh, yeah, you and I both had the opportunity to spend quite a bit of time with this guy. He he creates characters for a living, but he is a character himself. Oh, yeah. It's 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 always incredible talking to Dale because, I mean, like, I just went and looked at his... Um, shortly after I met him, I just went and looked at his IMDb, like, credit listing. Right, right. And it's insane. Like, he has made... Uh, he drew the cartoons that I grew up watching. I mean, he made, like... The original Masters of the Universe He-Man cartoon that I used to watch as a kid is just like God Almighty! This somebody that has developed some of the most like beloved characters and like I, I love Futurama, uh, obviously as you can tell by some of the sound clips in the in the podcast intro and like Dale developed a large majority of the characters on that show, so it's it's amazing always talking to him. Yeah, and he's he's an artist through and through, and uh, you know. Artists are, are some of the most interesting people you'll ever meet, and uh, I, I, I just love talking with artists and hearing the crazy things that come out of their brains, because their brains are always working. So uh, without further ado, let's jump into the interview with Dale. Dale, thanks so much for joining us today. We're excited to have you on the show. Hey, well, I'm glad to be here. I hope I'm uh, interesting and, and help the show. Well, I'm sure you'll be animated. Sorry, that was oh. lame. All right. So, yeah, we're going to definitely talk about uh, The Simpsons a little bit, but we'll get to that in, in a bit. First, I want to hear a little bit, of the, a little bit about your, uh, your background as uh, an artist. You've, got, you've had an interesting background in animation. And uh, take, us, take us back in a, in a, a time machine and, and tell us a little bit about, about your history. Okay, as I step into the time machine, we go way back to when we actually drew on paper with wooden sticks. You people and, did uh, that? Yeah, with graphite <laughs> sticking out of the end, a very strange thing. Yeah, it was, uh, I first got uh, hired at uh, Hanna-Barbera when it was actually a studio, and um it was interesting because it was kind of the end of Hanna-Barbera. There was like interesting artwork everywhere of Yogi Bear and Huckleberry Hound and all those cool cartoons on the walls. But when I got there, they were doing like mashing up all their shows they ever had into like Yogi's Laugh Olympics and weird shit like that. It was like, <laughs> holy, holy smokes. Uh, but it was it was still cool. We did a Flintstones Christmas special and all that. And uh, I was doing assistant animation at the time. Took a night class, and uh, they hired me out of the night class. And then uh, pretty much after that, they started uh, having some rough times. I uh, moved over to Film Roman. I mean, Filmation. About ni- 1982, 81 or so. 
And uh, Filmation was, of course, famous for the Archies and actually hitting uh, four hit songs out of uh, an animation studio. That's pretty unique. Wow. Out of the Archies. But they were doing Fat Albert and all kinds of uh, interesting shows at the time. Um, so that, I kind of made my transition over to there, and then I was there for quite a while. Uh, we kind of we did the uh, most amazing adventures of He-Man. Hell yeah! <laughs> and, then, and then went into Shira, and uh, at that time I was doing assistant animation. Uh, one of my favorite shows they had going on was uh, Flash Gordon. Somebody uh, I don't know who designed those characters, but man, they had like the bustiest pot chicks on that. Yeah, it was oh yeah, draw. oh yeah. <laughs> so I was doing assistant animation on that, but uh, after that stuff kind of uh, finished, they started some new things, and this whole Shira He-Man thing started up, and it was really the animation industry was actually in the pits at the time, and uh, Filmation was one of the few studios that had stuff going on, so they made this alliance with Mattel, and that's where uh, the whole He-Man thing came from. They were actually. Uh, <laughs> they based He-Man actually on a old Jovan commercial that was like uh, perfume or manly uh, <laughs> fragrances, you know. <laughs> and there was this cool animation on TV about it, and they thought, "Oh, let's do that." It was kind of inspired by Frazetta, if you're familiar with those artists. So that was the uh, inspiration for He-Man, but uh, that's crazy. Uh, yeah, so that took off and uh, actually kind of saved the animation industry. Hey, look, we can get paid by being just half-hour commercials. Wow. Yeah, I, yeah. I wanted to I wanted to mention a funny story because my brother and I were really big He-Man fans when we were a kid, and uh, <laughs> it's it's so funny that you would like had a had a hand in all that because probably around the time when you're sitting there like. Uh, the animation is the pits. My brother was running around with a tiny plastic sword <laughs> hiding behind the couch going, by the power of Gray Squirrel. <laughs> awesome. Yeah, that was the plan. Get them to buy all the toys. And Good then we could, stay, we could stay employed. And it worked. Yeah, we, we bought the shit out of them. Yeah. Yep. I always wanted to be working for the betterment of mankind, and that was my contribution right there. Well, I definitely remember the merchandising aspect of He-Man and, and really a lot of the shows that, that came around that same time. Um, smart way to go. And, hey, if it saved animation, bravo, bravo. When yeah, you... it's funny. At the time, they were getting so much flack from critics saying, oh, it's just a half-hour show, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, wait a minute. Disney has been doing that forever. Everything yeah. Disney does is a commercial for its toy line, its theme parks. I mean, come on. You know, it was no different, but for some reason, the critics jumped on this like, oh, my God, it's the end of uh, Western civilization because we're using uh, cartoons to sell toys or vice versa. <laughs> yeah. The smart way to go. I mean, you know, yeah. G George Lucas knew all about that i mean uh, look at sure uh, the brilliance of that man but uh so as uh I, I know you're you're a big a big space nut like i am dale and uh so i've got to ask and I, I i know the answer but uh your time at hanna-barbera you didn't get to work on the jetsons did you 
No, unfortunately. Yeah. No, that was, uh, I actually, as a kid, watched that show. Yeah. And all of those other shows. So it was kind of neat when I got there to actually work at Hanna-Barbera because I grew up watching that stuff. Yeah, yeah. And um, it was just, you know, it was a classic studio. It was a really, it was kind of the end of the old school studios uh, before everything kind of went into merger mania and all kinds of things disappeared. And actually, uh, one thing that kind of, I think might have killed <laughs> Hanna-Barbera. I'm not sure, but it seemed like when I was there, they invested in this huge computer inking system. And this is, we're talking like 79, 80. So, you know, things are pretty, uh, not that far along there. And yet there was this whole big system that they were investing in. And I think they dumped tons of money into that. And I think it totally didn't work. And they really, uh, that had a hand, at least, in uh, ending Hanna-Barbera adventurism. Well, that was probably the animation system that created me. <laughs> Interesting. Yep, that's a secret. We won't go into that. But Okay, you... yeah, I'll have to know that for later. But I'll tell you one thing, though. In the traditional days back then, one of the most amazing things was uh, in the traditional world, they had uh, a thing known as ink and paint, because you actually had to, like, draw on cells, run them through, or draw on paper, run them through a Xerox machine that ran, that Xeroxed everything off onto cells. And there was like about 20 or 30 or 40 girls that did nothing but paint these cells. And that was like so awesome to be there. And there's <laughs> like you're surrounded by all these girls and all they did was paint. For some reason, all they hired was girls. I don't quite understand that, but uh, hey, that was the way it was back. <laughs> do you happen to know what, uh, just a random question, do you happen to know what studio did the uh, the Jetsons movie? Uh, no, not offhand, unfortunately I don't. But uh, I know like Hanna-Barbera went into uh, some kind of, uh, they got bought kind of by like Cartoon Network and Warner Brothers, I guess. And I never quite understood what their relationship was. They, but uh, somehow it seemed to get divided up between them. And uh, maybe the Jetson movie came out of WB. I don't know. Mm. Yeah, those early days of, of uh, Cartoon Network seemed crazy. Yeah. Yeah, it was uh it was interesting. I mean they just but they took off pretty pretty well. I mean they had that they ended up with the whole Hanna Barbera library. Yeah, and I, I who is I mean, I think Sco Scooby Doo is still in production, isn't it? When I was over at WB about uh two thousand ten, they were working on a new Scooby Doo it was going to be all 3D uh, computer animation, but I don't know what happened with that. Hmm. They just did a Tarzan that's got aliens in it. I think you showed me that, Jason. Tarzan <laughs> with <laughs> aliens? Yeah, that's right. Oh, uh, right. I, I remember reading something about that on uh, on some blog somewhere. What, like, why are they putting aliens in? Uh, I think that was you, Jason. Maybe you wrote that. <laughs> yeah, that was weird. Well... Um, a aliens are are put into everything because everybody <laughs> everybody fell. We all know that. That's right. Everybody loves aliens. So if you can force it in somewhere, <laughs> you do it. Well, speaking yeah. of which, uh, 
you know, we all kind of met in, in the weird world, the, the UFO community at the UFO uh, Congress that you do, Jason. And um, I, some of the coolest stuff that I was uh, he, uh, hearing from Dale was just like talking to you about uh, the, the Futurama stuff. And I mean, as, as somebody that really enjoys space culture and, and aliens and that sort of stuff, was that kind of a, just a field day for you to get into those characters and, and design some really crazy looking stuff? Yeah, that was a fantastic opportunity. I mean, back when I was designing uh, a lot of stuff, I was on The Simpsons in the first uh, seven years. In that time, I was doing a lot of um, merchandising work as well and and kind of pioneering a lot of uh, concepts, both for the merchandising and uh, computer animation, (laughs) believe it or not, on The Simpsons. And and Matt was developing uh, Futurama and asked me to come in and work with a group of people to just kind of sketch around and do stuff for the for Futurama, and that was just, like, amazing. Uh, <clears throat> I know, I, I would go down, uh, I think it was, like, Santa Monica in L.A. here where he was uh, had a little office, and we'd go over there, and there'd be three or four other artists that he'd called in, and we're just, like, <laughs> throwing all these crazy sketches and stuff on the floor on a desk or something he's like yeah maybe more that way maybe more this way and i remember working on leela you know as a uh, big amazon woman with uh, the one eye thing and all of that and um i've got some of those original sketches around somewhere i'll have to uh, dig them out and send them over to you guys just to check them out it was, i was drawing pretty much like a five-year-old because you know matt in his rough sketches he draws that way too you know so we were all like just scribbling stuff out and uh it's pretty crazy. I thought that was you. Awesome. I thought I thought you were going to say you're going to have to dig dig those sketches out and put them on eBay. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I should do that. I have the original markers and shit that I did, and uh, it's uh, it's funny because I thought I'd lost some of that, and uh, turns out I had all that stored in a little box uh, at the Simpsons uh, when I was working there in the, in the first uh, season. And uh, when I left the show originally after the seventh season to do other things, the guy that took my place found my box of stuff, and uh, he kept it all these years. So I've I've returned to The Simpsons, and I'm working on it again. And when I showed up at the studio, he presented me with this box. And it's like, here's your original stuff, man. I've been looking through it for years, just... uh, on what you did and stuff and I thought oh my god that's amazing I'm looking through this stuff and I'm like I'm, oh my god it looks like a five year old did it you know it just blew me away <laughs> at how rough <laughs> that stuff was but kind of amazing to see kind of a bizarre flashback now how is it working uh, for, for you as, a, as an artist working at a place that's a massive machine like the Simpsons where it seems that Everything is broken out into very small pieces, different departments, different different roles for for every person. You know, you don't you don't get to yeah. design an entire scene yourself. There are people right. who, who do create objects, people who create backgrounds, people who create yeah, characters. Yeah. So, how is that's that for pretty, you? Yeah, that's pretty much the system for the whole. Anytime you get involved with something that's a half hour show. On network TV, it, it almost has to be that way because the uh, demands for the time frame that you have to get stuff done, they kind of developed that system quite a while ago. And uh, when I was even at Hanna-Barbera, it was already broken down pretty much like that. 
But uh, from the time I was at Filmation, uh, I transferred over kind of from traditional animation into design and kind of never looked back, kind of just stayed in design. So when I got to The Simpsons, that's what I was doing, and specifically character. <clears throat> and um, it's, yeah, it's uh, you find that there's people that are just really good at drawing things, buildings, you know, objects and stuff like that. And as much as I like that, I'm much more like, I like crazy character stuff, you know. So luckily I kind of was able to stay in that that field. And um, on The Simpsons, when they hired me, it's, it's kind of funny because the only thing in my portfolio was like action figures. So I have no idea quite why they thought I could do The Simpsons, but it turned out it was perfect because I could easily draw very scribbly and stupid like Matt was doing at the time. <laughs> but I've seen some of your other work, Dale, and I mean, you do some incredible stuff that isn't just like the kind of uh, cartoony uh, Simpsons-esque stuff. Like, I've seen some spacescapes and things that you've done that are they're mind-blowingly realistic. Well, and this is something that I love about you, Dale, and I, I don't know if this is sort of a, a normal course for, uh, for artists now, but I, I love how you continue with education and, you know, I, I, I envision old artist artists from uh, from the old school with their their graphite pencils and paper like you said uh you know being stuck in that medium but the the process has is, is changed so much and and you've yeah. changed right with it i mean i think a lot of yeah. your animation now is done on like wacom tablets and right. you know all digital but you continue to to take classes and learn new programs because it's, right. it's ever evolving but you you keep right up with it i think that's awesome yeah, well, I appreciate that. Yeah, it's kind of, um, you know, even even back uh, back in the day, well, when I first started filmation, um, I don't know what it is. I think it's the other side of my brain that was always interested in uh, sort of a technical thing, even though I'm a complete math idiot, you know, and and technical dummy, and yet there's something about technology that just, I love it. You know, I love, I think it's the concepts of things. So when I heard that there was a computer that, finally was at the point where you could do video effects and draw and do all these things, I thought, well, maybe it's finally come down to my level where I can figure it out. And that's when the kind of the Amiga computer came on the scene. And I dumped, jumped on that thing and uh, brought it into the Simpsons, used it everywhere. And that kind of started my uh, uh, entrance into the uh, computer and graphics world. And I've always sort of had these two worlds going on and just the computer graphics and 3D stuff and then the very traditional at the same time. And it all kind of came together when uh, at about season seven, I was kind of getting a little bit frustrated with some of the politics and things that were happening at the show. And I was just probably getting burned out too. And a friend of a very good friend of mine sold a show over at Saban Entertainment and asked me to come and art direct. And I thought, oh, my God, well, if I was ever going to have an opportunity to do something different, this is probably it. So that's when I actually left the show and went to uh, Saban Entertainment to uh, art direct this show. And unfortunately, we only had one season with that show. It was called The Mouse and the Monster, and uh, you should Google it because it's just kind of nuts. We... <laughs> It, it, to me, it's kind of like an Adult Swim show before there was Adult Swim because we just threw all kinds of absurd craziness in there. And 
It was for a local station called Channel 13, and I don't know what it would have been, you know, nationwide. It would be on all the local affiliates or something. But uh, it was just kind of bizarre and fun, and, and uh, at least here, the station that had commissioned it and working through Saban Entertainment, they didn't really know how this all goes, and they were kind of experimenting with things. So we got a lot of uh, got away with a lot of craziness. But uh, that show lasted one season, and then we went into uh, starting to develop this uh, Silver Surfer show for Marvel. And that's kind of when my uh, two sides of my brain, the computer side and the traditional side, came together. Um, the uh, producer there at uh, Saban Entertainment had me start doing some tests on uh, some 3D stuff. We were doing an original show based on some kind of sort of like a robotic dinosaur thing. And that was an in-house project. And then the Marvel thing hit with the Silver Surfer. And it was determined that that would be a 2D and 3D. So I was kind of like the only person there that had some uh, knowledge of 3D, even though I'd be the last guy to call on for computer knowledge. But for traditional people, I guess I knew everything, you know. But um, we started there developing their 3D department and the Silver Surfer as a 2D, 3D show. And it was one of the first ones to do that for network TV. I know a DreamWorks had another thing going that was 2D, 3D, and we were sort of competing, you know, who's going to get it right and who's going to do it the first, you know, be the first one out there and, and make it work because we had nothing. I had nothing to go by as to how, how the heck you do this thing, you know. But uh, I think my two-sided brain really helped out because I was able to uh, – kind of uh i i knew sort of both sides i knew that the 3d guys were kind of in their own world and the traditional guys were in their own world and it was it was really an interesting experience uh not always pleasant because there were attitudes and craziness going on between the two groups you know uh, mm. the 3d guys sort of had a chip on their shoulder and the like they knew the new modern technology and the two guy two D guys were like, uh, they don't know anything about real art, you know, and I'm in the middle kinda of pulling all this together and it was uh quite a experience. If uh I don't know if any of that stuff's online. I have some like uh old videos and tapes of it that I'd like to get transferred to the digital uh, uh one of these days. I'll have to talk to you about that because I've got some like uh, everything from uh, VHS copies to, uh, you know, bigger format stuff, but <laughs> old tape stuff on ancient machines, you know, maybe we can get that transferred. Isn't that funny? Like, I was just looking at the uh, the IMDb, and that Silver Surfer show was uh, in 1998. Isn't it hilarious that just that long ago we were still using, like, VHS? Yeah, I know. I remember when we got in a computer system... Uh, a storage system, and uh, we paid like I don't know how many thousands of dollars for it, and it was like 300 gigs. And we were just like, "Wow, 300 gigs, That'll man! Last forever, yeah. yeah, it will." Now that's like on your wristwatch iPhone thing, you know, or something, you know. But yep, it's uh, yeah, it's pretty amazing. But uh, unfortunately, that show only went for one season, too, because then Saban had a big falling out with uh, Marvel, and uh, they just killed the show. They wouldn't even go into reruns with it. It was, like, pretty sad. But then, like, 
I don't know, half a year later, they were buddies again and making new deals. So that's just the way it goes in that world. I don't know. Crazy. But uh, that's about the time I left uh, Saban, and I knew that he was going to actually sell his studio. I had some inside info on that. So that's when I left and and, uh, started my own studio called S4 Studios. But uh, Saban lasted another year or so after that doing... um, some kind of racing show, 3D racing show that I didn't even want to get involved in, but uh, <laughs> I don't know what happened with that, and uh, and that's kind of when I left that. But yeah, I've always had this uh, two sides of my brain, you know, one in 3D and one in traditional world, and kind of going back and re- more recently, I've been working on developing uh techniques for just a, a concept art style you know for film because i always love sci-fi and i want to just illustrate that stuff and uh there again it's kind of like i have this kind of realistic uh sci-fi side of me and then i like to just draw stupid things like <laughs> you know like well the simpsons hey <laughs> so who is your favorite character on the simpsons to draw Mm, the favorite one to draw. Hmm. That's a tough one. I have certain favorites that I, uh, well, one of those, <laughs> one of these favorites that are just kind of an obscure character that was kind of just funky and fun to do was this like uh, beefy motorcycle guy that comes in and out of the show every now and then. <laughs> it's just, uh, I don't know, just a fun, crazy character. But uh, some of the characters that are more memorable that I've done, like uh, Ken Brockman and stuff like that, I don't draw those guys too much anymore. I mean, all the main characters, a lot of times we uh, have to uh, do costume changes all the time on them, and they're doing all kinds of weird stuff with them, from flashback shows to, gee, what if this is the future, you know, and stuff like that. So that's kind of fun. You're redoing uh, these characters, but you're making them old or babies or whatever. You know, the, the show has been able to take these characters all over the place. So that that keeps it interesting and, and fun on the design side. But there's always like 10 to 20 new characters in every episode. Some are just a lot, maybe just background, but every now and then there's like a couple of main new characters and sometimes they'll feature, of course, famous people. And uh, those are always fun to do. I just had to do Einstein, uh, you know, in different clothing and stuff. We've done Einstein before, but, uh, you know, it's kind of fun to do these guys. Uh, Presidential and political figures come up a lot. I've been uh, catching up on The Simpsons recently, and I swear to God, I just lost it when uh, Kent Brockman is walking down the road, and they come up, and uh, his eye, like his pupil, is a little bit chipped off like a toy or something, and they take a Sharpie and draw it in. I lost it. (laughs) I mean, Simpsons is... Yeah, things you can do with cartoons that you kind of can't quite do in any other medium. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's totally on top of they're so on top of their game still and uh so were you were you working with the studio when they did the the big simpsons movie actually no i was uh i had uh, my studio kind of 
we had our our moments, but it kind of didn't work out. So it sort of was on its last legs, and I was doing a lot of freelancing at the time. And people were telling me, "Oh my God, you got to get to the movie." I was not on the show then, and uh, it's like all hands on deck. We really need people, and yeah. The truth of the matter is that the the production of that movie was a nightmare for the production people. They had it divided between two studios and, um, it was just something they don't, <laughs> they don't want to repeat again. Yeah. But, uh, people were telling me, Oh my God, we need you back in the studio. It's crazy. And then other people were saying, if you have anything else to do, do it. Don't, <laughs> don't go back to that. So I don't know. It was crazy, but, uh, yeah, right after that, it seemed, uh, you know, when I came back to the show, things were like really clear and just, it was a whole different world and everything seemed just fine and, and great. And it's been even better than when I was there before. I mean, it's, it really is a machine that runs itself in a, in a lot of ways. And, uh, it's, uh, it's just great to, to kind of be there. It's funny. One of the first designs I was asked to do, you know, I'm, gee, we need a really tall guy. And then one of the uh, production people there was saying, well, I think we have a character we use a lot for this really tall guy. And like, okay, well, let's see what it is. So they go through the archives, pull up this old thing, and it's like from season six or something. And I look, and oh, my God, on the original sheet, there's my initials. I had designed the guy. (laughs) It's like, oh, my God, that's crazy. Wow. Well, what, uh, you know, I, I can't wait to see what you end up doing. I know your brain is always working, and I, I can't wait to see what you eventually end up doing with this crazy, spacey art stuff, these space scenes and everything that, that you like to play with. I'd like to see you, this is just me being selfish, but I, I'd like to see you at some point do uh, some sort of graphic novel or something because your artwork is just so phenomenal. And I'd love to have it somewhere that I can actually enjoy it. <laughs> yeah, well, thanks. I appreciate that. Um, yeah, I actually, I do have a lot of things like that in the works. And part of the reason I'm always in classes and always saying, a lot of people ask me, they, they say, uh, why aren't you teaching these classes? And I don't know, I'm just one of these people that I feel like I've never, uh, I don't know. There's too many people that can teach me stuff. So I'm, I'm busy doing that. You know, I'm learning from these, these things and learning, um, disciplines that I haven't, you know, quite experienced enough yet, or I don't feel like I'm as good at. So I just, I keep myself in classes all the time and just to kind of keep my brain going. And it's, it's been great. It's just really, keeps me excited and keeps things going on. And I've got these ideas, you know, and churning. I mean, just recently, <clears throat> a few guys that I know here at the studio and a few other people, uh, we put together a project and we've been pitching some new stuff, you know, at other studios. And that's kind of the name of the game. You just kind of put your ideas together and you, you keep pitching it and it just keeps the energy going, keeps things alive. It just, uh, I have to do that. Or, you know, it's like, that's what it's about. It's just, keep moving forward it's, it's kind of like there's no standing still you either move forward and and do better keep improving yourself or or you fall backwards and I, i've seen too many of these these people that wouldn't change with the times or wouldn't learn the technology some of the really great artists that i know that <laughs> i go to some of these events and it's kind of sad because they've 
they just, uh, you know, I'm not going digital. And I'm like, what are you talking about? That's kind of like cavemen saying, I'm not going to use the wheel. You know, I don't know. It's uh, it's sad, but they've kind of been left behind, and they're just not moving forward. You just have to do that. That's the way technology and, and art are are great together, you know? <laughs> I, yeah. I love working with it. Yeah, I agree. Well, your attitude is amazing. I think it's a, a great attitude to have and a great way to live life. So uh, kudos to you, Dale. And, uh, you know, I know you have a lot of things in the work. You, you alluded to that. But uh, we'll definitely have to have you back on to talk about some of those things as they start uh, falling into place. But uh, you're one of uh, Caleb and my favorite character anyway, so uh, we'll have to have you as a (laughs) regular on the show. So uh, we'll be in touch, and uh, thanks for hanging out with us, man. No problem. Anytime, man. Let's do it. All right. Well, that was pretty awesome. Dale's such a great guy. It's always fun talking to him. Oh, yeah. So many interesting stories, too. And I do like your idea. This is an idea you gave me that we'll have him uh, on the show periodically to uh, to check in and uh, be a third wheel, if you will. Oh, yeah, definitely. There, like, there are too many stories that the people need to know. Well, I'm sure he's got so many more. Well, I, I know that he has so many more that uh, he's not supposed to let out. But uh, if we can convince him to drink while he's doing the show... We might get some some golden gems. I don't think that'd be too hard to do. No, Dale also likes drinking. There you go. Wow, <laughs> we have the, the the best ingredients for a podcast ever. Yes, drinking <coughs> podcast. Excellent idea. Well, thanks for joining us, everybody. And uh, if you want to check out the Rogue Planet website, rogueplanet.tv is where you'll find all of the Rogue Planet goodness. We'll be building that up in the coming weeks, months, days, minutes, seconds, whenever we get around to it. But uh, we'll put a lot of good stuff on there. And it'll be all over the place, too. Animation, videos, the podcast, of course. So do check out RoguePlanet.tv. That's all for this episode. Thanks again for joining us. I'm Jason McClellan, and my buddy, the drunk one, is Caleb Hanks. That's me. (laughs) We will see you next time. See you later, everybody. (laughs) 